Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. I am here on the streets of Lima, Peru. And today I'm going to do a little recap of <clears throat> the ups and downs that I've experienced since Brian Helm has flown back to New York. And it uh, looks like they had some fucking ups and downs at the block party, dude. Holy shit. They did burnouts on everything. I saw a bike fly off the top of a shipping container or a van or some shit. Dude, wheelies, burnouts. I cannot wait to. I am going next year. Next year is going to be the 20th block party. And you're going to find Danger Dan there. How I'm going to get there, what I'm going to be on, who knows. I do have some ideas. <laughs> I do have some ideas. Just too soon to, uh, yeah, you just fucking keep paying attention. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a whirlwind since Brian left. It's been... It's been, it's just, all right, we're going to get into it, I swear, right now. All right, that was Thou Shall Not Hassle. By extermination day, thanks to Zach over at Heavy Clothing. Make sure you check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com. So, I am in Lima, Peru, and I am trying to make it down to Santiago <clears throat> in time to find a place to stash my bike and fly back to Texas for Born Free Texas. That's right. October 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I don't know, dude. I think the 20th is Thursday. There's going to be a party at Stroker's thanks to Jace over at the Fast Life Garage. Uh, Friday night party in Waxahachie at Lug Nuts. And I think fucking Chemical Candy Randy spearheading that one along with the old, uh, Rhino. I was going to call him the Bucking Pig, but I don't think he goes by that anymore. Anyways, Rhino, Scott, they're fucking putting together a party Friday night in Waxahachie at Lug Nuts. Uh, and then Saturday's Born Free at Yellow Rose Canyon. And you probably need to get on there and buy grass passes. There's a bunch of options. I listened to uh, Oliver did a live deal the other day. And pretty much what it comes down to is just, just buy some grass passes and it covers your ass. And I've got a cabin and I'm going to get grass passes because I'm fucking riding my chopper down into the bowl, dude. And then Saturday, we're going to do a party at the side, the backstage, do the smaller stage by the pond where everybody's going to be camping. And uh, it's going to be fucking sick. I think that's where I'm going to do the kickstart competition. We are going to do a fucking huge kickstart competition. And it's going to be fucking sweet. I'm, I'm stoked about it. I hope you are too. So catch me at Yellow Rose Canyon in about a month from now. Yeah, because I think it's the 20th today. Yeah, fuck, dude. I got a lot to do in a month. Damn. Okay, so and, and if you're in Texas right now... uh. There's some guys doing a show in Denton. I think it's this weekend, The Burnouts. Look up The Burnouts on uh, the gram, and you'll find, you'll find some information about, <clears throat> dude, they, they must have a sweet venue. They got some music. They got some bitch and choppers. I know for sure. So if you're in Texas, go check that out. Um, if you're not in Texas, you should check out mcshoptees.com. Even if you're in Texas, really, come on. Uh, it's your motorcycle 
shop t-shirt of the month program, dude. Yeah. It's a fucking t-shirt club is what it is, dude. Uh, Carrie from Choppers Magazine, he sent me a picture. He was on his way to, where the fuck was he? Oh, he was going to the party at the pin in Boise. <clears throat> and somebody on the plane had on the Clay's Parts MC Shop t-shirt, which was fucking rad, you know, because they automatically know. They're like, they fucking, they're in the know, dude. So that, I thought that was really fucking cool. Thanks for sending me that picture, Carrie. Uh, but you need to get in the know. Go to mcshoptees.com. It's a t-shirt we put out every month featuring different shops from around the country, sometimes outside the country. And uh, each shirt comes with a postcard telling you about the shop, where they're at, what they specialize in, and how you can get a hold of them. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great way to meet shops, learn about shops all over. Fuck, you might learn about a shop across the street or down the street from your house you never knew about or from, from Costa Rica. You just, you just never know. So, dude, it's a rad thing. We got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes. <clears throat> Holidays are coming up. You can also buy three, six, and 12-month packages as a gift. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's pretty rad. So, mcshoptees.com. And if you already have too many fucking MC Shop Tees and you still want to support the podcast, go to DangerDansTalkShop.com. There is a Patreon support link. There you can donate 5, 10, 20, whatever you want. <clears throat> Point is, is that money goes directly to keeping this show happening every month. Dude, it keeps this show on the road. It keeps me staying at weird fucking motels downtown Lima. Uh, it, fuck, Randall really takes care of that shit. But, dude, it's a beautiful thing. And I have a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs I give away every single month. And I really am working on a big giveaway for the end of the year. And... It'd be, it'd be way more beneficial if I had something good to tell you, to sell, you know, to, like, get you excited. I don't yet. I really don't. Uh, I have an idea, but I have to run it by some guys first. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, uh, DangerDanceTalkShop.com, dude, every little bit can help. Every, every little bit helps. Um, dude, got to thank Knives Made by Nick. The motherfucking dude, I've used his knife down here so fucking much this past week. Uh, it's been pretty fucking awesome. And uh, Tattoo Troubadour Alan Wayne Nichols is in the Metroplex full time with Lulu doing tattoos. So you need to go get inked up by them because I fucking love them. I fucking love them. And if you like skateboard, you should, you'll fucking see Al at the skate parks. I think every time I've called him this past Two weeks he's been at a skate park, which is fucking sick. I know that he loves it. Uh, he was telling me about a sick skate park in Quito that <clears throat> is, like, legendary. And I saw a skate park in Quito. I don't know. I, there may not. Quito is fucking huge, so who knows. Uh, what else is happening? Oh, after Born Free, we're going back to Nepal. You fucked up if you didn't sign up for this trip. But <clears throat> it's all right. You can get your boys together, your girls. You can get whoever the fuck you want to together and do one of these trips with Motorcycle Sherpa. It's fucking rad. And, uh, oh, shit. I got a guy coming over here. Oh, sick. He just texted. He is He's coming over after 10. <clears throat> so... He works at the Harley-Davidson dealership here in Lima. 
and we got to talking. And uh, he's like, man, this isn't my kind of main profession, you know. My main, main profession is I'm a retired pilot. You know, after the pandemic, he was just like, fuck all that bullshit. And, uh, you know, started working the dealership. But he was like, but, you know, motorcycles has been in my family for a long time. My dad, his dad, we actually all do acrobatics. And this motherfucker proceeds. Dude, this chair is making all sorts of noises. He pulls out his phone and starts showing me pictures of him and his dad and his granddad standing up on these old fucking panheads. Like pyramids of people doing like, they used to do stunts and trick shows in Mexico City. And I was just like, all right, shut the fuck up right now, dude. And he looked at me all funny. I was like, hey, what are you doing tonight? We, you got to come over and talk to me. And we got to record this because I got some questions and I know there'd be some people that are interested to hear about it. So that's cool. I've seen pictures of, you know, people that do that shit. And I know there's all sorts of crazy stunt people and acrobatics in Mexico. And this guy is from Mexico City. He's been here for 19 years and uh, I'm stoked. He's coming over tonight. So that means I don't have to get in a rush to tell you what the fuck has happened the past few days. So Brian left me. Brian just fucking flew back to New York. And, <clears throat> yeah, he flew back the, anyways, he flew back in the evening. I spent one last night in Quito, and I took off. Now, I had a, a spot picked out, a direction, a road, a crossing that I wanted to cross at. It was cool to see. The couple from, like, Switzerland or, fuck, Germany. Anyways, there's another couple down here on a Pan America, right? And they went through this crossing a couple weeks ago. And I saw them make a post. And I'm like, holy shit, they went down the same crossing I want to go through, which was, like, outside of Zumba. Anyways, I, uh, I took off that direction. And I hit up my friend Janelle Kaz. You may remember her. She was on the podcast a couple years ago. She rides an Indian around down here in South America, and um, I never asked her how she got her Indian down here, if she bought it or what, but she spent quite a bit of time in Ecuador, so I hit her up. I'm like, hey, tell me about some things, you know? She's the one that actually told me about the motorcycle rental place in Quito that I didn't use because I accidentally hit up the wrong one because the name was so similar. So that was funny, right? She told me about one place, and I ended up using another. Well, she told me about this, like, I don't know. It's like a, she said it was a five-star restaurant, you know, and it was on the path I was going down. She's like, you got to go here. And so I'm like, okay. So I take off, and uh, let's see. I got to pull out a map, apparently. I leave Quito, and I head south. And the, the beginning was pretty much the same tracks that me and Brian did, like down past Cotopaxi and uh, – I was on my way. Yeah, I wanted to make it all the way to Cuenca. <clears throat> and I did. And the fucking riding was beautiful. Uh, you know, the bike was running strong. Well, for the most part, it still got like some kind of hiccup in the throttle, which I had my guys over at Grand Teton send out a piece to the throttle to Lima, the Harley Davidson here. Anyways, I ride south towards Cuenca. I land in Cuenca, and Cuenca was a fucking beautiful little town. Or no, it's a city. It's like a really old city. It reminded me a lot of, like, Zacatecas 
or uh, any of those old towns in Mexico that we went through on the Desperado run. Just beautiful architecture, stone streets, very clean. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And I found a place online that was like... <clears throat> It was like half price. I think it was 40 or 50 bucks. And it was, I mean, right downtown. It had parking. Uh, and I get there. They're, they're having like a baby shower. I'm the only person not in the party staying at this hotel. And they're just looking at me all goofy-like. But uh, there was a sweet, like, cigar lounge area. Anyways, I <clears throat> sat in there that night and, like, used the Wi-Fi and got caught up with, uh, I think I talked to Al and, <clears throat> Alan, Nick, and a handful of other people. I talked to Zach from Heavy. I think I got him convinced to come down to Born Free, which is sick. And, uh, dude, it was just a sweet little spot. I fucking, I can't remember what I did for food. Anyways, I wake up the next morning, and I'm headed down to Loja. And to that restaurant that, uh, that Janelle told me about in Saraguro. And the road starts getting really fucking sick, right? Like, it was, it was so sick. And I get to Saraguro, <clears throat> and there was like, you know, the people are like getting shorter. Like, I'm getting further into the, the jungle, I guess, or t- closer towards the jungle, or so I thought anyways. And uh, still lots of farm fields and lots of fish in this area. Uh, there was even fish farms at one of the restaurants that I stopped at on the side of the road. And there's just fucking pigs hanging everywhere and I still have yet to eat the guinea pig I went by another stretch in like some small town where like there was just a bunch of guinea pigs on like skewers like on a rotisserie and I think I just need like somebody to go this place is a good place to eat guinea pig you know and they call it something different let me pack these cigarettes real quick But I saw that. I didn't stop and eat. But there's, like, pigs hanging everywhere. Like, that's one common thing. People just have pigs and meat for sale just hanging right off the side of the road, which is, you know, it's always cool to see. I did find some fucking Winstons down here. I was like, I must be getting close to a big city if they've got fucking Winstons, and they've got as much tobacco as, like, an American cigarette. Sick. This one will actually, it'll make me lose my, uh, my boob is what it says on the cover. Dude, I found one the other day, and it was like, it'll, the picture was a fucking dog with his face, like half of his face missing. They're like, yeah, you smoke these cigarettes, your dog's going to lose his face. Thought that was pretty funny. So anyways, I get to Saraguro, Sora, Saraguro and five-star hotel. I'm following my GPS, and I pull up in like this town square, and there's like a bunch of sweet artisans, you know, artisans, uh, just you know, women set up, dressed up nicely, and uh, they got jewelry for sale. And I'm on this square, and the, right where my GPS tells me to park it, there's this fucking nice restaurant. And obviously, this has got to be it, right? <clears throat> I go in there, I sit down, I order a cup of coffee, and, uh, you know, whatever the special, or no, I didn't pick the special. I picked out uh, something I didn't know, and then I saw... Oh, what is it? Oh, it's like this fucking, it's like a tabbouleh type. It's like a hummus tabbouleh. Anyways, quinoa, quinoa salad. I was like, oh, I'm ordering this because my wife would probably be feeding this to me if I was back in Texas. And I send a picture to Janelle. 
And the name of this restaurant was called Soupe. I'm like, yeah, I made it to Soupe. And she's like, what the fuck is that? Where is that? Where are you? Who, who, what is this? And I went to the wrong fucking restaurant. Now, this restaurant was really fucking nice, and it was some of the best food I've had in Ecuador, but it was not the one she sent me to. I was like, oh, God. Just like I went to the wrong motorcycle rental place, now I'm going to the wrong fucking restaurant. I'm like, oh, she is not going to give me any more advice because I don't even use it. But the place was really good, and I wish I'd have gone to the other spot because it looked really fun. I mean, I think the only difference was they really dressed their food up, and there's probably smaller portions, which is what I expected at this place. That's why I ordered two full meals. But there was, like, this cauliflower fucking salad that was amazing, and then this, like, it was like a piece of bruschetta, bruschetta, but it was thicker. It was, like, in between, like, a cold cut and a pork chop. Uh, it was an interesting piece of meat that came on top of this other salad I got, but it was it was fucking good. So from there, she told me that there is a <clears throat> like a prominent uh, American population in this town of Vilcabamba, which I thought was interesting. It's right on the path. She said I needed to go talk to Charlie. Charlie has a bar called Charlitos, <clears throat> and uh, so I take off, and the road is just. It just keeps getting fucking better, like, keeps getting better, you know, like, I mean, it's mainly paved, but there's paved places where it's missing, I fucking saw some dirt bikes on the side of the road, like a bunch of two-strokes, <clears throat> these guys were trying to sell, they actually tried to tell me one bike was brand fucking new, with one hour on it, dude, the tires, you could tell just alone by the fucking tires, it was not, he said it was a 2023 Husqvarna, you know, 300, I mean, it was clean, but... I don't think it was a 2020. I'm like, why would he even fucking lie to me about that? But maybe that's what he was told. Who fucking knows? But they were some cool cats. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the traffic in Ecuador, it's kind of, it's pretty laid back. You know, like, kind of, it's a little, it's put more pushy than America. Uh, but compared to, like, a lot of the other, you know, Colombia or it, any Central America, Everybody's, you know, they're not, I was, I was more aggressive than them, uh, I would say that. Except for in like Quito, the, the capital is a little different there. But I get to Vilcabamba, and immediately I like, I, I come around this curve, <clears throat> and the road was getting really twisty, like really twisty. And I come around this curve, and I see like this fucking beautiful girl with like dreadlocks, like riding her bicycle down this hill, just hauling ass with this big smile on her face and a little girl behind her and probably her husband and another kid on another bike. And they were, you know, white people. I was like, oh, my gosh, like right out of the gate. This is, you know, this has got to be it. And sure enough, there's just fucking, you know, like Americans and Europeans like everywhere. Uh, and it wasn't the, like the, it wasn't like a gentrified town either. Like there was a, there wasn't, if you would have just taken all the people out of this town, you would have been like, there's an American population here. Like, it wouldn't have, it didn't connect. And, you know, Janelle told me that <clears throat> this place was, like, kind of popular because there was a, there's some uh, medical springs. <clears throat> no, what did she say? She said uh, some healing springs or some hot springs. 
that are known for their healing properties or some sort. She said this place had like the most dense population of people over 100 years old at one point. So a lot of Americans moved here years ago. She put it something like that. But I talked to a bunch of people there. <clears throat> None of them mentioned the water. Okay. Now, as you'll learn, I heard about the water. But I fucking find Charlito's. Charlie's this like, I, uh, he's not, he wasn't grumpy. He didn't have a chip on his shoulder. But he kind of did, right? About just America. Not really America. Anyways, he moved down there 19 years ago and saved up his money, had just bought the building he was in. You know, they've been renting and had a little bitty small, rest, small bar restaurant. And, uh, you know, now he's got a nicer place. And he just works there with his apron on, serving people beers. There was people, uh, you know, a lot of Americans would, were coming by. And it was just an interesting place to hang out and talk to Charlie. I'm really glad Janelle turned me on to that. He was... Uh, he was very insightful. Uh, he definitely pays attention to world affairs and reads and is very well-spoken and outspoken about it once you kind of like, you know, give him a minute. <clears throat> he used to uh, grow things in America and sold all those things and, and moved down there. But uh, that was a good spot. And I go back and I find this little hostel called La Margarita's right in the middle of town, and they had a little courtyard where I could park my bike. That's how I spotted it and decided to go there is because there was a gate in the courtyard. I'm like, dude, that's the, that's the spot, dude. When a hostel has that, you know, I think it cost me like $15. And uh, anyways, I go there, and I'm hanging out on the porch drinking uh, a cup of wine. And this dude who I'd seen around town a couple times because I strolled around like – they were having, getting ready for a party that weekend. They were setting up on the square, a bunch of locals. None of the Americans or Europeans I talked to knew about it. I did uh, talk to this one guy from, uh, shit, where was he from? Was it Ireland? Anyways, he has a distillery down there. And he, he told me about gin. He has a company called Hendrix. That was his name, Hendrix. And he's, he's in the process of getting it legal to, like, sell outside the country, I think. Anyways, I tried his gin, and I guess juniper is what you make gin out of. I'd never, you know, besides fucking the 90s, you know, gin and juice. I don't know anybody that drinks gin. and But just hearing him ex explain it and talk about the things he uses in the process, you know, it made me taste it a little bit differently. Now, it's still not like... You know, it's not whiskey, but it was interesting. And uh, anyways, okay, I'm back at the hostel, right? And I'm hanging out. It's like the city's kind of slowing down. Uh, I had, what did I have that night? I had a fucking hamburger at Charlito's. Almost had a pizza from across the street because I had this stone oven and this, like, Italian dude just yelling at the fucking waitress in Spanish. And I was like, I read that pizza so fucking good. I mean, it was like... The most stereotypical, maybe not, but it was just like, if you were to imagine uh, like maybe a second or third generation Italian that is now a local in Ecuador in a small building with a, st with a, st with a stove, his brick oven, 
in his apron. He didn't have a hat on, but he had the black curly hair just yelling at this girl. Like It reminded me of uh, a scene out of uh, that fucking Stomp. Remember Stomp, the musicians, where they would like <clears throat> play on different music instruments or different things that weren't music instruments, and they had that one scene where they're in the kitchen and the head chef's just like yelling at everybody. <clears throat> that reminded me of that. But I didn't have one of those pizzas. I'm winding down as well, outside, smoking a cigarette, and this dude on crutches, who I'd seen around town a couple times, you know, and I see him from a distance, and I, and I, at first, I'm like, surely he's not coming here, but he was, he fucking was, he fucking came up the street, into the gate, and there's a chair next to me, and he makes some comment, he goes, first he goes, English or Spanish? I was like, English? He's like, thank God, I fucking know your accent, too. And I'm taking that chair next to you. I hope you're okay with that. And I'm like, no, absolutely. So he sits down, and his name was Cowboy. And this motherfucker, it was, so I have a friend that I used to work for named Burbish. He's actually passed on. And I was talking to Al at the hotel in Cuenca the night before about Burbish, how I wish I had, you know, Burbish was still alive and I could get him to bring his fucking giant PA out because he would just love to come out and party and set up his music. And I was like, I don't think I've ever told Al about it. Al uh, Burr used to be the sound guy for uh, Montley Crew, And he's just a fucking wicked dude with the knobs. And he can make some he can make some shit sound good. And he's really capable or just really talented. So anyways, I tell Al about that. I haven't talked about Burr Bish in years. And this guy fucking sits down and he was one of those dudes where, like, at first you're like, you know, you're a bit much. But at, at this point, it was perfect, right? Like, I enjoyed him being so talkative. And, but the stuff he was saying, I'm like, I don't know if this fucker's full of shit or what. Because he, he was going all over from, like, working secret service for the government in Africa to, you know, being a stunt man, uh, what else was he cut? Uh, what else? What a stunt man, a fucking skydiver. I mean, it just kept going on and on, right? But when we got to the stunt man talk, oh, and I'll tell you about why his leg's broken <clears throat> in a minute. We got to the stunt man talk. <clears throat> he had a stunt man company, and he worked for like he the way he put it. He's like, I work for anybody with money, you know. Remember when Tommy Lee's drum set spun around and shit? And he's like, that was my company. We worked with fucking Motley Crue for years. We worked with fucking, uh, I think, fucking Garth Brooks. Like, just these big names, people, whatever they had stunts or theatrics or fire. You know, he was one of the guys that those companies would call to make that happen. So <clears throat> I was like, dude, do you know Burr Bush? And he's like, Oh, man, I do. I remember Burbush. I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I bring his name up yesterday, and I'd never met anybody that could confirm whether or not he worked with Molly. Not that I didn't ever believe him, but, you know, it was just pretty wild. And, uh, dude, <clears throat> some of the stuff this guy was saying was fucking, like, bonkers, like conspiracy theory shit. But he also, like... The way he, just just little things and the information that he had and, like, historical um, information that he was spouting. And, and, and not even historical, like, a bird made a noise. And he told me everything about this bird 
without ever even seeing. I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of little things that made me go, okay, maybe this guy is not <clears throat> not full of shit at all. Like, anyways, interesting. So I'm like, so what's up with your leg? And he like, because he doesn't have a boot on, he doesn't have a cast on. He's got Wranglers, like Wranglers from the states, and he's got a fucking really nice cowboy boot that he fucking made himself. Oh yeah, because he's a boot maker as well. It was fixing to start a boot company before the other leg got broke. But he's got the boot on the right leg. And on his left leg, he's just got a sock, right? And he pulls up his Wranglers, and there's just, like, blood coming out of this sock. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, I fell down. I had a spiral fracture uh, by my ankle and then up by my knee, both bones, both places. And he's like, there's a plate in here. And it's trying, like... There was metal all over, but the plate in the middle of his leg was, like, not permanent. Like, that was supposed to be something that came out later on. And so this happened in Ecuador. He'd been there for, I think, 14 years. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. And he had a fucking motorcycle collection. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways, he wasn't able to bring any motorcycles down, which is believable from everything I've heard about Ecuador and motorcycles. And anyways, he's building like a house up in the mountain. He had like a greenhouse part. Anyways, he was up on a ladder. Gust of wind came, blew him off the ladder, and he fell down and hit his leg on a tree stump that he left. And he made it clear. He was like, the tree stump was there when I cut the tree down. Back where I'm from in Alabama, you pull the fucking tree stumps out. You don't just cut them down to the ground, you leave it stumped there so you got something to pull on, which, you know, once again, yeah, it checks out, but he hit his leg on that thing and then had a couple surgeries. Anyways, that piece of metal that was supposed to be temporary that never got taken out is like making him bleed, right? Well, he didn't pull down the sock and show me anything about this, uh, but the lady who ran the hotel comes out and they start talking and... And they're talking in Spanish now. His fucking, his Spanish is like, oh my gosh. It's obviously a redneck talking in Spanish. But with the confidence, oh, it was great. <clears throat> but anyway, she kept mentioning medical awa. Like I kept catching that. And that he needed to soak it for like, I think she said no more than four hours a day. She, like he needed to soak it every day, no more than four hours. And I'm like, oh, the fucking springs that Janelle was talking about. Nobody else had like, I asked multiple people. I met probably six people and asked them why they moved there. And they had reasons, but none of them were like, because of the springs. Uh, I think a lot of them had to do, they had family ties there that maybe they moved there for the springs. But it was just interesting that nobody brought that up. And, uh, but that lady did, talking to him about his fucked up leg. So anyways, while he's talking to her, he pulls down his fucking sock in the shape of the fucking, like, scab on his leg was, like, the shape that he was saying that piece of metal is. And he was, like, touching it like it was hard. He was trying to show her that it wasn't infected. Like, it wasn't yellow and red or it wasn't, like, bruising to the touch. He could push on it, like... It, his body was literally getting rid of that 
fucking piece of metal like out of his skin. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. And he had these cigarettes he was smoking. They were hand rolled, but they were <laughs> they were rolled out of like construction paper or some shit. Oh my gosh. I posted a picture the other day. I didn't say nothing about it. I mean, it looks like something you would keep drugs in. Like if if you were to show me that and say there's drugs in there, I would be like, yeah, there probably is. But like, just they're just cigarettes with like they're rolled out of like construction, brown construction, like butcher paper almost. He said the tobacco's really good, but the paper is really harsh. And I smoked one. He was fucking right. It like reminded me of smoking grapevines when I was a little kid. But old cowboy, I wish I remembered his name. He was a uh, he was an interesting cat. But he lives in Vilcabamba, and he's staying at Las Margaritas Hostel right now since he can't get around very well. Which, uh, if, you, if you go to Vilcabamba, that's a good spot to stay. You can go to Charlito's around the corner. Charlito's doesn't have a sign yet, but he will. And Google will take you straight there. So the next day, <clears throat> I could. There was like a two-hour trip to the border where I could cross into Peru. And then from there, the first destination was 8B, which is a road I found on, I found it, you know, when I was looking up the dangerous roads, right? And the, the article I read, I'm pulling my Mac back up, said the road that goes from, let's see, Like Kaj. Let's see, Kajamarka to Selendin. But let's see. Huacas. Anyways, eight B. Eight B is that what I'm gonna refer to this road. But before I even get there, so there's like a you know, we're a two-hour ride to the border, and the pavement stops on this road. And one of the last towns is Zumba. And when I when the road got as desolate as it did, and I had pulled up Zumba on the map the day before uh, the rest or the hotel in Cuenca, and the lady at the front desk like helped me, you know, verify that there was hotels there so I could stay at the border if I wanted to do that. But since I stayed in Villa Cabamba, it was two hours away. I just figured I'll go across the border, and I take off and. And it was just fucking so sweet. It got rainy. Uh, not really. No, it rained a little bit. Enough for me to put my rain gear on. And then it fucking stopped raining, which is always awesome. And I get to this small little town. I don't know the name of it. But it was one of those towns where, like, <clears throat> maybe it was, like, uh, Val, Validoid. And... Uh, you know, when the road comes into town, it, you don't just ride that road straight through town. There's like a couple of turns, and then it goes off a different direction. <clears throat> well, my GPS wasn't working at this point, and I just I thought I was on the road, and it it turned into like a just a two. It wasn't even it wasn't like a it wasn't a road built out of material, right? Like it was a two track mud road. And it just went and winded off up into the mountains. <clears throat> and it was fucking sweet. But after a while, I realized that I haven't seen any vehicles going either direction. Uh, I've seen 
horses, and I've seen uh, tractor tracks. And the road is, like, getting wetter and, like, red mud, this fucking Amazonian red mud that I've heard about. And it was pretty fucking slick. Like I said, it rained before that. And I get, I don't know, an hour in, and I'm like, I should have made it to Zumba by now. But I hadn't. There was no sign of me coming up on Zumba. So I talked to an old man, and I'm like, is Zumba this way? And and he was like, he said, yeah, I think. But then he said a bunch of other shit. And I'm like, oh, man. So I pull up my map again. And there's the main road that I'm supposed to be on from uh, Vilcabamba down to Zumba and to the border. And then there's my dot, like way off in the fucking jungle. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But he said yes, so I just kept, I had gone too far to just turn back. And I was thinking, surely this road, like, makes a loop. Like, it doesn't just go out here and dead end or it's going to take me somewhere. And it was such a fucking sweet road. I just, I kept going and going. There's a couple of river crossings and waterfalls and just sweet little farm huts in the side of the road. And I wanted so badly to pull my drone out and, like, just send it away to show how far into the fucking jungle I was. But... There's just too much moisture and lots of clouds or like not really clouds. Yeah, they're clouds. Um, God damn, it was fucking beautiful. Anyways, I kept going and then I come to a couple of turns and I just start turning to the left because I'm I'm going south and my phone made it look like I had got off to like, I don't know, the west side of the road or, you know, yeah, the west side. So. Sure enough, then I see some kids, like, fucking moving. I saw a cattle drive, and the leader of the cattle drive was younger than my youngest son. And they were just fucking smacking these cows with sticks. It was hilarious. And there was a fucking cliff. And as soon as those cows saw the bike, they were like, yeah, I think we could run over one of these kids easier than we can go through that bike. So I kind of get over to the side, and this little fucking four- or five-year-old kid just starts smacking the shit out of these fucking cows with a stick. I was just like. So entertained by that. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, they go by. And then I, I meet a kid on a dirt bike, the first, like, vehicle besides a tractor or a horse that I'd seen on this road. And I'm like, hey, is Zumba that way? And he's like, he kind of gave me the, like, of course it's that way. Like, what else would be that way? So maybe that's not what he intended to, you know, there's a fucking – there's a communication barrier, right? But I'm like, all right, you know, I'll just keep going. And sure enough, about three hours later, I pop out in Zumba, which is still 30, 45 minutes from the border. So at this point, I'm like, you know, I like to do the border crossings in the morning because sometimes they could fucking take a while. But it's like, I don't know, 3 o'clock now. Maybe not quite 3 o'clock, and uh, I go south from Zumba, and sure enough, the border ended up being real close to that, and I come down this fucking hill, and the border crossing's at a river, and, you know, there's fucking chickens in the road, there's a fucking pig running around, and there's, it's like, there's no traffic whatsoever. I mean, it's a fucking dirt, there's not, this isn't like, there's probably not a lot of people that cross here. I mean, I say that, but those, that couple on the Pan America, they'd already been through there. So, 
you know, I'm kind of like, there's also this part of me that's kind of bummed that I'm not the first Pan America to be going to this, to any of these places, right? Like, I'm kind of following these motherfuckers down here. So that really sets in the next day where I start thinking the fucking race is on. But uh, anyways, I come to this crossing. I get clocked out of uh, Ecuador, which was simple. The, one of the kids that did the uh, customs work, he was, like, stoked about the bike. He was stoked about the GoPros. He's following me on the gram now. He's probably listening to this podcast trying to get somebody to translate it for him. And... uh I get out of Ecuador, I change out the cash that I had, because, you know, Ecuador uses the American dollar. So I traded, like, I think I had, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, and I got a bunch of soles. I got as many soles as this lady would give me, which was like 160, so I still had a couple 20s, which is good to have some American money, I think. And uh, I go across the border, right? I'm like, that was fucking easy. You know, it took, like, maybe... The longest thing was getting my uh, my passport stamped. Like they they just seemed. I guess they just had other stuff that they were fucking with because that place was so busy. But I go across the bridge. I come to a gate on the Peru side. You know, it's like, you know, I've been talking about going to Peru for so long uh, since my friend John lived down there, and you know, it was it was fucking. I don't know if it was emotional, but it was surreal. You know, I'm just like, God, is this fuck? am I really doing this right now? Like, I just fucking rode my bike to fucking Peru, you know? So the first thing I do, I go to the customs uh, for the motorcycle. They don't call, maybe they do call it Ottawans. I think they had a different name. And he tells me, no, I got to go get my passport stamp first. So I'm like, okay. So I go to the passport thing. And there is nobody else around. These buildings looked empty. There's no, like, doors. There's just, like, concrete, uh, do- like, uh, holes for the door. And there's nobody there. So I wait patiently. I kind of say hola a couple times. Nobody comes out. And uh, I go back to the customs deal. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's at lunch. He'll be back at 2.30. like. <laughs> He, really, they have to leave. For, like, they left for, like, okay, I'll wait till 2.30. It's like 30 minutes later. So I, I go across the street to a little bodega, and I get, like, a, a knockoff Gatorade and a water, and I look at the food and just snacks. I, you know, I didn't get anything. They're just the fucking raw meat just hanging there with flies on it. Uh turn me off of the packaged food inside. I just couldn't do it. And uh, so I go back now, I'm waiting, and the guy shows up. And uh, and I didn't want to, like, barge in on him. You know, he just got done with lunch. I'll give him a minute. It's like 2.25. And I think I made it to, like, 2.28. I'm like, all right, dude, uh, let's, uh, you know, here's my passport. And he was like, made me step back out of the fucking room put on a mask, and then spray my hands off. And I'm like, oh, we're doing that again. Which, you know, these remote areas, fucking American travelers, any travelers, really. Anyways, I do that. We go inside, and uh, he stamps my passport. He like, now my passport is like, got a bunch of stamps in it now. And like, going and return, like leaving Costa Rica, coming back to Costa Rica, going to Panama, leaving Panama, coming back to Panama, 
going to fucking Colombia, then Ecuador, leaving Ecuador, going back to Ecuador. Like, there's a lot of stamps, you know, and, and they all kind of look at them like confused as to why there's so many for some of the countries. And they ask me questions about what I'm doing. And I can't really tell them, you know, <laughs> except for I came from Texas on my motorcycle. Anyways, I get the fucking the deal. So that takes about an hour. Okay, now that's our first hour in. I'm the only person there. There's no line. Uh, and then I go to the fucking, the, uh, the, the customs place. And at this point, there's nobody there. I'm the, like the only person they're dealing with. But while I was there, uh, that's when it started getting busy. But they weren't really helping anybody else. They were just like telling them what they needed to do. A bus showed up and, you know, and he... I mean, it acts like he had never done this paperwork before. I'm like, dude, somebody came through here recently on the same fucking bike as me. You know, like, I don't know, maybe the guy was new. Anyways, it took a while. And instead of getting upset, I started, you know, fucking churching him up and making him think I really cared. <laughs> Not that I didn't. But I finally got him to, like, smile and uh, be friendly. And I don't think he wasn't being friendly at first, I think. You know, and this is another thing, like, every time I cross one of these imaginary lines into a new country, there's always, like, a different, it's just like a different vibe. Like, the cultures are incredibly different on the, just, just from one side of that line to the other. Now, in a, like that remote area where I was at, you wouldn't think it'd be much, but it fucking is. It really is. Like just the the attitude of the people. It's just, uh, you know, in, in my immediate gut reaction is thinking like everybody's out to get me, you know, like sometimes they are, but I, you know, it's just kind of like a defense mechanism really because it's just something different. And uh, anyways, I broke through that with him and get all the paperwork clear. They go through all my shit. I'm like, you guys think I'm smuggling something into Peru? Like, into Peru? Like, you know, if I was exiting, I could imagine all this. But, you know, I, I pulled out all my shit and repacked my bags for him and uh, got all my paperwork. Now he told me, he was like, we don't have a place for you to buy insurance right here. We should, but we don't. And if you get pulled over, the cops can impound your bike forever. Now, maybe just for three months or maybe forever. I'm like, oh, that's great. I don't have insurance. And he was like, also, you know, this permit is good for these three months. This date right here is a very important date. If you don't leave Peru by this date and then you leave like a couple days after, they're going to charge you a fine. But if you leave 30 days after that date, guess what? The government takes your bike forever. You will never get it back. And he made it very clear to like, let me know that that bike was going to be fucking gone. And it could possibly be gone if I get pulled over by the police. So I take off into Peru. And, dude, I'm telling you, it's, it's crazy how different it was. The road was like, went from sweet dirt road that was like, I wouldn't say it was nicely maintained, but it was a road that you could go pretty much as fast as you wanted to. There wasn't a bunch of fucking potholes and shit, but... The road in Peru was like that bullshit concrete road with the fucking joints everywhere that were, they were, I mean, it wasn't terribly done, but, you know, it wasn't fucking great either. And uh, lots of water running across the roads in random places. 
And, uh, you know, people just use the road to dry out the cacao beans, the chocolate beans, and maybe coffee beans in some places. And there wasn't as much meat hanging from the stores and shit. It, uh, and I wasn't getting, like, smiles as I rode by. Like, you know, you don't go through any towns at first, but you go through, like, little villages where people have their houses all set up together in an area and, uh, there's kids out fucking playing everywhere. Now the kids, the kids always smile, but you know, not every, anyways, I wasn't getting like the most welcoming. No, I don't want to say that. It, it was just like, it was just a different, you know, it was just different. I guess it's just always kind of shocking how different it can be just from crossing that imaginary line. Anyways, I wanted to get to, he said there was a place like uh, San Ignacio was the first big town I came to, and I could get insurance there. Or I could go on to Jane and get insurance there. And I'm like, Jane, I want to get to Jane tonight anyways. If I stop in San Ignacio to try and figure out the insurance thing, it may end up riding to Jane in the dark, and I don't want to do that. And uh, I wanted to get to Jane so I could do that road the next day. And so I'm fucking, now I'm moving I'm, you know, that, that crossing took a lot longer than I thought it was going to, and I needed to cover, oh, about 150 miles. Maybe not quite that much, but I'm moving. And I go through San Ignacio, and sure enough, and I'm passing fucking people. You know, I'm passing everybody that I come to, every fucking, every fucking vehicle, the police, the fucking tuk-tuks, uh, Oh, and the tuk-tuks in Peru. They didn't have these in Ecuador. There's a lot of tuk-tuks. But these are tuk-tuks are like three-wheel dirt bikes with like these sick-ass fucking uh, covers over them. You know, like a covered seating area. I'll, I'll post some pictures of them. And, uh, you know, I'm passing everybody. And I get to this spot like kind of on the edge of San Ignacio. And there's like four or five fucking tuk-tuks and a bunch of cars. And they're not. You know, that normally nothing ever gets held up like that, especially when there's room to pass. I didn't think nothing of it. I just went around everybody. Well, the fucking reason they were passing anybody is there's a fucking cop out front. And I, uh, you know, by the time I got to him, there was traffic coming, and I had to, you know, make a pretty sketch dive right in front of him. And I look at my rearview mirror, and bam, there's the fucking cop lights on. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't have insurance. Now... When I saw the cop lights, given most of the cops ride around with their lights on all the time. Like they just, they just, if they're driving around, they got their lights on. They're not necessarily pulling anybody over or anything. They just ride around with their lights on. So I'm like, huh, you know, his lights are probably just on. So, but I keep up the pace, you know, like I'm not going to slow down prematurely or you know I'm just not going to slow down and I go there's like this big sweeping left and then this like uphill climb and I look in my rearview mirror and I see him come out of that fucking turn fucking the whole chassis of the truck is leaning to the outside and there's nobody behind him and I'm like oh he is fucking coming for me you know and I'm like I don't have the insurance <clears throat> I don't want to I don't want to deal with this right now like no, so I just fucking take off, dude. Like I just, I just stay on the gas and keep going and going. And there's like, 
this is not a great road to speed on to begin with because there's just like shit, people, things, animals, dogs, fucking goats, cows, pigs. There's just shit on the road. And there's just lots of turns, you know. You don't really get to see no long straightaways. But uh, I just keep going, and I don't I don't see any more of him. After a couple turns, he, uh, I don't know if he stopped or, he, he must have stopped, obviously, because I never saw him again. <clears throat> but now I'm like, I got this pace going. Like, I'm moving, you know. Like, I'm, I'm going. And, I, you know, once I get that momentum going, I normally don't slow it down. And I get to this one long, or I get to this <clears throat> river. I come down into this valley, and there's this giant fucking river. And it, the river bed is even bigger. You know, like, it's a big river, but the bed is probably two or 300 yards wide. Uh, there's, like, trucks down there, like, uh, mining the rocks or, you know, gathering rocks to sell or whatnot. And uh, there's this one long straightaway. And I'm, you know, fuck, I don't know how fast I'm going, 60 miles an hour maybe. But uh, I come up to a sign, and it says 40 kilometers an hour. It's like the speed limit, 40 kph. And I'm like, dude, that's like 30 miles an hour speed limit on a fucking, the straightest the road has been this whole time. Like, that's crazy. And I go a little bit further, and there's like a blind right-hand turn. And that's when the road was fucking gone. It was just fucking gone. Like, section of the road, just fucking gone. Now, if you'd have been going 30 miles an hour, you would have been able to, like, <clears throat> just ride down this gravel uh, ramp to the gravel base where the fucking road was gone. But I was not going that fast. I was going a lot faster. And it happened all so fucking quick that I, I tried to hit the brakes for a second and just realized that, no, like, if I, if I really slam on the brakes d- during this turn and there's, like, fucking dust on, like... It's like gravel dust on the road. Like, you know, this shit's not going to go good. So I just fucking gathered it up and sent it off into the other lane. Like, launched off this, this you know, where the road was gone. <laughs> Didn't ride down the ramp. I mean, I airborne landed. Fucking bottom of the bike scrapes the gravel. I fucking, you know, I go a little ways and ramp up to the other side and jump back onto the road. And I'm just like... just fucking flustered. I mean, my heart, literally, my heart was fucking beating so fast. I've heard people say, oh, you almost gave me a heart attack. Well, I fuck, I might have given myself a heart attack. I was, like, my heart was beating so fast, I thought I was going to black out. So I started, like, just doing these fucking, like, deep breaths, you know, just trying to, like, calm myself down and, you know, the fucking edge, like the road, there was maybe like a four or five foot. I mean, it was essentially just the gravel that was underneath the road that was gone in a fucking ledge in that fucking riverbed. And the actual river was up against that corner. And, uh, you know, it all happened fucking fast. And I, and I ride off. I'm just like, okay. You don't need to die. Like, you don't need to send your bike into a fucking river right as you get into Peru. Like, that's not that's not a good way to end this, especially if you don't do it on purpose. So I'm, like, breathing, trying to get my shit to calm down, slow down a little bit. Now, I didn't fucking slow down to the 40 kph by any means, and I come around another fucking turn. Now, once this was this was a little later on, but I come around another turn, and there's a lady walking a fucking cow down the road on a leash. Now, 
I don't know if I mentioned this, but in Ecuador and Peru, this is something both these cultures do, is they just tie animals up on the shoulders of the road, like all, any kind of road whatsoever, whether it be the four-lane highways or like the two-lane dirt roads or the single dirt road lanes. Uh, they tie their animals up just to eat the grass right there, whether it's a pig, a horse, a donkey, uh, cows. I mean, you just see them everywhere. Spaced out sometimes. Sometimes there's more than one. Sometimes there's just one. Llamas. I mean, whatever it is, they just tie them up to a stake and let them eat around that area, and then they move the stake. Anyway, so this lady had a fucking cow on a leash, and right in the middle of the fucking road, which, you know, no biggie. I just go around her, right? No, there's a fucking bus coming the other way. So I, like, lock it up. You know, the bike doesn't really slide. I mean, it, the brakes work so fucking good, the anti-lock brake setup. And uh, so, I, I, you know, for a split second, I was like, all right, I'll split her and the horse or her and the cow. But that leash, you know, like, is she going to lift it up? You know, and then I'm like, I wanted to turn and go to the inside of her, so it would have been like the shoulder, me, her, the leash, the cow, the fucking van or the bus. And that's what I did. That's what I did. But for a split second, it looked like I was going directly at her, trying to turn back inside. And, uh, I, you know, you would have thought she'd have been a little bit more freaked out. She had no concern whatsoever. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess... That kind of stuff just happens all the time down here now. Once again, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, dude. Uh, you know. But so I finally make it to uh, Jane, J-A-E-N, Jane, Peru. <clears throat> and I found a hotel online called the Britan Brit Brit Britannia. I think is what it's called, Britannia, Britannia. And I go to the fucking the thing on the map, and now this town looks like it's uh, recovering from a fucking war. Just like, or in buildings that were not quite finished being built, but people moved in and were using them anyways. And just like the roads that weren't somewhat paved were just like that concrete dust with rocks and rebar and just shit everywhere. Like, you've seen them in, like, roads like that in Mexico or maybe even in your hometown. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where you're from. Uh, but it wasn't looking good. The fucking, the maps took me to some just building that didn't, didn't have a roof on it. It was, like, three stories tall and the walls weren't there. I mean, it was, like, you know, is the fucking hotel out of business? I don't know. So I found another address. I don't know if I got it from the booking. I use booking.com, the app. It, it, it generally works pretty fucking good. And I go to this other location that shows. And this place looks like, I mean, it's a finished building, and it could be a hotel, but there's no signs or nothing. Anyways, I go talk to these guys. I have a motorcycle shop. And this dude immediately, like, grabs my phone. He's like, let me see that. Well, yeah, here, you know. And he was more than nice. I mean, he was like, oh, yeah, I know where that is, man. Uh, you know, you ride on that Harley? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, how much, how much is it? How much, was it? how much did you pay for it? I'm like, fuck, that always makes me nervous when they start asking me about dollar signs, you know? Like, and then he was like, how much is your phone? How much is your bike? I'm like, 
you know, but it was real, uh, it was just genuine. Like, it's not like he's the first person to ask me. I wasn't even, I didn't even think nothing of it at that time, okay? So fast forward to him getting his shit together and, you know, wrapping up his whatever he had going on over there. And he gets on his bike and he's like, follow me. And we take off. He obviously doesn't know where it's at, but he knows the general direction. So we went down like every street on the way there. And he's like, oh, this is the one. You know, here it is. And then bam, right there, we find it. And I talked to the guy at the front desk. I got parking. We put my bike in the garage immediately. I thanked the guy that brought me over there. I try and buy him a, a beer and he didn't want it. And I'm like, cool, you know, and he's just hanging outside, like looking, the, the wall to this place was like slats of metal, so it wasn't like, I mean, he's just hanging out, looking and listening to me, trying to get this room squared up, and uh, anyways, I get the room squared up, I thank him multiple times, he's still hanging out there, and I go back to my room, I get my shit situated, and then I come back out, and he's in the office talking to the guy behind the desk, being all buddy-buddy with him. And when I see him, he has this look on his face like I wasn't supposed to see him doing this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did he just slip him, you know, a $100 bill and say, hey, we're going to be back at 2 Or I'm like, fuck, you know. Once again, it's just like I'm in a new country. Is this just like a new vibe or am I just reading this wrong? Do I think everybody's out to get me or, you know. It looked fucking fishy, okay? Especially the look on his face is what sold me. And then I'm like, oh, dude, he asked how much the bike was worth, and I fucking told him. Uh, shit, you know? So I didn't leave the whole night. I stayed right fucking there. Outside my hotel room looked like a fucking disaster zone. I bought the guy behind the, di- the, the counter lunch or dinner and was real friendly with him. Just kind of hung out with him. He had some weird fucking, like, I don't know, what do you call that show or the fucking Super Ninja show where they're, like, jumping on weird shit. And, uh, you know, like, fuck it. I just, I'm going to sleep. I got I got to sleep. I got a big ride tomorrow. You know, tomorrow I'm going to do 8B, which is supposed to be pretty fucking gnarly. And uh, somebody told me that it was going to be gnarlier than the devil's trampoline in Columbia. Now, I haven't been able to find that message as to who sent me that and told me that, but whoever told me to go write 8B, I was like, that's interesting. I looked up 8B, and I had the coordinates on my map already plugged in from an article I read, like to ride the road that goes from one town to the other. And uh, anyway, so the next day was pretty serious, you know, and... uh, yeah, I woke up and the fucking bike was there. Of course it was. Where I mean, where else would it be? And uh, I plug in the first coordinates, which is uh, Le- Liambamba. Liambamba. That's it, Liambamba. Let's see. Oh, I can't find it on the map. But I punch in Liam Bamba. Oh, no, no, no. Before I punch in Liam Bamba, I go get fucking insurance, right? So I go get insurance. It is a Saturday morning. What is today? Tuesday. Yeah, it's Saturday morning. I go get insurance. I pay for it. 
everything's good. She gives me a receipt, and she goes, all right, now here's the thing. The insurance brokers are closed until Monday, so I'll send you a WhatsApp of your insurance on Monday. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. So now I get to spend two more days riding through Peru uh, without insurance, which if that guy didn't spook me about the police just taking my fucking bike and impounding it and me possibly never seeing it again, I wouldn't think much of it. But, oh, well, dude, I took off into the traffic with all the fucking tuk-tuks and headed to Liambamba. Okay, I'm stopping it there. Um, <laughs> uh, Liam Bamba is gonna be good, but I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you hanging, and I'm gonna put out the, you know, this the eight B, the most dangerous road in fucking Peru. I can't imagine there's one that even comes close. So, and just for the record, this was probably no, not probably. This was by far the most dangerous road I have ever ridden. Now, if you were to just set that road, like if you were to just take that road and like just the road itself, right? Get rid of the cliffs, the mountains, the traffic, everything else. That road would be fucking hard to stay on. Like it would be, you know, it would be more difficult than if you just took the devil's trampoline and took all the crazy aspects of traffic and everything else. You were less likely to go off the road on the devil's trampoline than you are on this road. And this road was paved. Does that tell you anything? That might even confuse you. Anyhow, I'll tell you more about it on next week's show. And I might even wait a week. I'm probably not going to wait a week. Uh, 8B in Peru. Anyways, thanks for listening to uh, this little story about crossing into Ecuador, crossing into Peru from Ecuador. It, uh, you know, those are just thoughts I've had. Uh, I don't, you know, was anybody out to get me? No, no, not at all. But it's uh, it's crazy how different things change from that imaginary line. I want to thank Janelle for sending me to those places that I never went to. And then I want to thank her for sending me to Charlito's, the place I did go to. Cowboy, I hope to one day see you. I hope you one day are able to ride again. I hope you're able to get that leg situated, get it all fixed back up and, uh, you know, get back to building boots and blowing shit up, man. And... Uh, to that guy at the front counter at the Bantonita. Thank you for not letting that dude pay you off so he could steal my bike. The dude I thought was going to steal my bike, I apologize for thinking you were going to steal my bike. I just, you know, uh, there's just, I feel very not exposed. I feel very vulnerable, I guess, down here, you know, by myself. Don't really speak the language, uh, but it's made for some good times, and that was a great day of riding, uh, getting to Jane. That was a great day. That, that wrong turn I made ended up being the fucking best road that I got to ride in Ecuador. So it's one of the reasons I don't plan these things out all that. Like, I'm not that strict, uh, and I, you know, when something looks good, I go check it out. And sometimes it works out. As you'll find out, sometimes it doesn't. But I'll leave that for the next show. Um, 
Go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Go to MCShopTees.com and sign up now. I got some rad shit in the works. This month's T-shirts should be shipping out like that. Maybe they've already shipped. Hell, I don't know. I haven't talked to the shipping company, but they're fucking rad. It's the Easy Company shirts, artwork by Daniel Sheridan. I hope you did not miss out. Now, for next month, I got two options. I got two options. Um... One of the shops I took pictures of, one of the shops Brian took pictures of, right? But I, have, I want, the, today's the deadline for one of the other pieces of art, and I'll have two pieces of art to pick from, so pretty stoked about that. Anyways, go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now so you do not miss out. Um, go to MotorcycleSherpa.com as well. Check out the amazing trips that they've got so that you can... You can go with a well-guided and experienced. You can go on a well-guided and experienced expedition instead of, um, you know, running off the road and damn near hitting cows and fucking thinking your bike's gonna get stolen and, you know, spending fucking hours at a border because you don't do that when you're in Nepal. They fucking, well, you got to do it just to get your passport stamp. But when you cross the little countries over there. They take care of all that shit. You just blow right through the gates. It's so sick, and I'm looking forward to going back. I hope to see you in Texas at Born Free. Oh, man, dude. Did I tell you that JP is bringing all three fucking trikes? JP is bringing all of his trikes. The third third Reich of trikes. It's going to be sick. Are you coming to Born Free? What are you bringing, dude? What chopper are you going to bring? I can't wait to hear about it. I uh I can't wait to see it, really. I can't wait to party with you guys. I can't wait to squeeze some Americans and talk to some Americans in America already. I still got fucking 15, 20 days of this. Uh, and it's... I can't wait to tell you about what happened just the past two days. It's... uh, What a ride. What a fucking ride. All right. We'll talk later. Peace out. <laughs>